Welcome to On the Side with Jackie London, a BS-free podcast where we're talking all things food, nutrition, and wellness to help you build healthier habits that stick. As a registered dietitian, author, journalist, and former clinician turned content creator, I've heard and seen it all. Join me each week as I debunk diet myths, explore the latest wellness trends, and answer all of your pressing listener questions. Plus, we'll hear from a guest who will kick off each interview weekly with a soup-to-nuts rundown and, okay, sometimes analysis of what they're eating, cooking, ordering in, or where they're dining out with tons of delicious ideas, lots of laughs, and plenty of pro tips in between. The one thing I can actually guarantee, I'll serve up tangible, actionable strategies to help you apply the science behind what works to what works best for you. Listeners, I've got such a treat for you today. I'm so excited about today's episode. I have a wonderful, wonderful guest. I mean, wonderful is really like the perfect word to describe my guest today. She is well-known from her hit Food Network show, Healthy Appetite. She is currently the host and executive producer of the cooking series, Ellie's Real Good Food on public television. Ellie Krieger is a New York Times bestselling author. She is a two-time James Beard Foundation award-winning author of seven cookbooks. She's a weekly columnist for the Washington Post and host of the podcast, One real good thing. And I am very privileged to call her a friend. I mean, how cool does that make me? (laughs) I think it makes me pretty cool. Ellie's an RD who earned her bachelor's degree in clinical nutrition from Cornell University and her master's from Teachers College at Columbia University. And her most recent book is Whole in One, Complete Healthy Meals in a Single Pot Skillet or Sheet Pan, which is awesome. I've got to say I've used Ellie's books, but also more recently, I've just kind of found myself gravitating toward her website just to look up some deliciousness that I want to make for dinner. But she's got recipe ideas. She's got cooking videos on her website at elliekrieger.com. She is also, I would say, a pure natural pro at podcasting. I feel like I learn a lot just from listening to her podcast, which is fantastic. If you haven't listened to One Real Good Thing, definitely check that out. She's got some fantastic episodes on there already now. I adore her. We get into a lot of different fun and interesting topics about and around food. We talk about her recipe testing process. We talk about fun food memories and hilarious food memories. We also talk about what it means to fail in the kitchen and how that has shaped Ellie's entire recipe development process and how she approaches developing recipes at home with her family. We laugh a whole lot. So I think you're going to laugh too. I cannot wait to hear what you think of this episode. Let me know by leaving a five-star review. Of course, why wouldn't you? Just go ahead, leave a five-star review. Tell me what you think. Say hi to me. Say hi to Ellie on Instagram at JacquelineLondonRD. Of course, you can find all of Ellie's many social platforms on elliekrieger.com. And we both, I will speak for us both in saying we are looking forward to your comments, questions, your input. All right, let's get to it. Ellie Krieger on the On the Side with Jackie London podcast. But first, let's get to a quick listener question. Today's question is, what's your take on collagen as a supplement? Oh, I'm so pleased to see this question here. All right. So there's nothing that is truly substantial as far as research outcomes are concerned. There is no general research consensus on the topic of taking collagen in supplement form for the reasons that we currently hear about both in the news, on TV, with plenty of, if not every, wellnessy influencer on TikTok, on Instagram, all of that, right? The bottom line is that your body uses amino acids to build muscle to support bone health and bone regeneration, cartilage, skin, hair, connective tissue, and so much more, right? So there's lots of different types of amino acids, and the most abundant types that are currently found in your body are the ones that make up collagen. So it's a very predominant structural protein that really helps keep 
for lack of a better term, keep your shit together. <laughs> Collagen is a structural protein. It helps you keep your shit together literally and figuratively in your body, right? But collagen does decline as we age. So it is totally understandable and realistic. And there's this biological plausibility, right? That the collagen could possibly have a benefit for you. It stands to reason, right? We know it makes up a lot of the tissues of the cells in our body. It's a structural protein. So it's making up a lot of those connective tissues and helps us actually have our literal skin held together, right? By collagen protein. However, you know, in order to get to the place where collagen protein as a supplement would be beneficial for us, we would need to see some sort of efficacy about what is happening when you digest and absorb that collagen protein. And we just haven't really seen that yet, right? Like, so that process of going through your GI tract and then being absorbed by your small intestine and going into your bloodstream, right? Like we just haven't really seen this to have a very well-powered, substantial research outcome that supports use of collagen protein powder for the reasons that we would like to see if we were going to recommend this to your average healthy adult. Let me give you a good example of this, right? Like a lot of the time I will get this question as it relates to joint health, bone health for post-menopause, for perimenopause, for arthritis, I'll get this question. I will also get this question for decreasing risk of osteoporosis. But the most common reason for people who are around my age and general state of health, which is, you know, mid-30s and younger and sometimes a little bit older, the question that I get most often is, is this good for hair, skin, and nails? And I really think that's one that we've got to debunk the, the most because that's where the least amount of promise really, <laughs> really is in the research, right? There's definitely the idea that if you are deficient in protein, right? Like, so if you're not eating enough protein in food sources, then it, it is totally within reason and completely possible that you will see a benefit from taking collagen supplements. There has been some research that links collagen peptides to reducing skin wrinkles, to healthier skin, to, to stronger nails. It's possible that we'll see more of this type of anecdotal evidence. But the problem is that biochemically speaking, when we're taking in collagen, it's really hard to see that cause and effect, right? Because there just haven't been enough human studies that really support it. There also is real good reason to understand that it may not actually have those benefits simply because of what's happening in your GI tract. And that may be very personal to you, right? I mean, we've talked about on this podcast before the differences and unique individuality of gut microbiome. So it's totally possible that some people might see a benefit, that some people won't. And we simply don't have enough research to support taking collagen for the purpose of better hair, better skin, better nails, stronger nails, right? Or even reducing wrinkles. Otherwise, there are some benefits and there are some instances where taking collagen might be beneficial to you. And I can certainly see that as being the case when you are caring for an older adult right? Like someone who is struggling to get their food intake to their optimal level or someone who is just simply not getting enough protein into their diet. I can also really see that if you've had oral surgery, right? Like if you need something that can go into a smoothie or a shake, collagen, protein powder, perfect way to do that. And there are certain companies that also make types of collagen protein powder that are available in portable packs. I know Vital Proteins definitely makes one of those. I feel like that's the Jennifer Aniston backed protein powder, right? I mean, honestly, call me Vital Proteins <laughs> if you want to sponsor this podcast. Um, but here's the thing. Does the average adult need collagen? No. The claims of its benefits, right, include things like anti-aging, elasticity promoting, anti-inflammatory. You'll definitely see collagen on broth and stock labels, which is exactly where it belongs, right? Like there's protein and calcium in bone broth because of the actual animal bones that went into making that broth, right? So you can eat collagen in the form of, of protein, of protein foods, eggs, steak, fish, chicken, turkey, cheese, right? Because it's a type of protein, when we eat protein, we're eating collagen. It sounds really basic and it definitely sounds sexier to say collagen because we associate it with anti-aging skincare products, which allows us to you know, slather that shit all over our face. And there's definitely some great research about protein that links protein and adequate protein intake, in fact, increased protein intake to wound healing 
and to those who are healing from surgery. So that's why I say that it's not like completely out of the question that if you have a wound or if you are healing from something or if you have recently had surgery or recovering from surgery, that collagen protein may have a benefit. But it's not to say that it may have more of a benefit than you eating protein-containing foods, right? So I think that's a really important distinction to make. Like it's not going to do more for you than eating an extra egg might in the course of a day. And and certainly, you know, calorie for calorie, looking at two things, you know, isolating those two things and looking at them side by side, one thing is a powder and one thing is a food. You're going to get satiety benefits from food. You're not going to get it from powder, right? So the bottom line would be to say that, you know, I'm always here to choose food over supplements in whatever capacity you can. Now, granted, there are people who are going to say, I don't love those foods that are protein-containing foods. I mean, that that every food has some degree of protein, so that may be a, a smaller percentage of us. But there's plenty of benefits and plenty of other nutrients that are present in protein-containing foods. So there's very little research and very little benefits that we know of right now about the benefits of eating or consuming collagen in protein powder form. So If this is you though, if you are someone who does have higher nutrient needs, who has higher protein needs, like you are undergoing treatment for wound healing, like you're recovering post-surgery, if you are currently undergoing cancer treatment, or if you have appetite loss whatsoever, definitely here are some things that I would recommend looking for if you're choosing a collagen supplement, okay? So I would look for ones that have as few ingredients as possible. It should just be collagen protein isolate, collagen hydrolysis a hydrolyzed collagen or collagen peptides. Those should really be the only ingredients in a collagen supplement. I would also skip the flavored versions, which can contain added sugar, which can, you know, usually, again, if I'm recommending this for someone who has, who is undergoing a certain type of treatment or who has these unique and increased nutrient needs, it's usually also accompanied by sometimes some GI side effects. So I would say skip the ones that have added sugars because that could upset your GI tract even more. And I would go for the plain version and just add your preferred type of sweetener to desserts or in the form of dessert for yourself. And the last thing I would say is to look for a third-party certification. You guys have heard me talk about this ad nauseum, but given the lack of FDA regulation around supplements, I think anytime you're choosing a dietary supplement whatsoever, I would check if a credible third-party lab or organization has tested the product to make sure that what's listed on the ingredients list is actually in the product itself. So good examples of that, NSF for sport, UL, USP, those should be, you know, your sort of gold standard safety requirements. I would say NSF for sport, they have an app now. So that probably is going to be your easiest one to choose. But again, most people, bottom line, most of us healthy adults do not need a collagen supplement. If you think you might need a collagen supplement for the sake of skin, hair, and nails, then I would consider where you can include more protein-containing foods in your daily meals and snacks. If you are someone, however, that does have increased protein needs and is looking for some good options, then definitely just push that 15-second backward (laughs) button on this podcast so that you can make sure that you catch how to choose a collagen supplement. But otherwise, there may not be so much harm in choosing collagen supplements, but I would be very careful with making this recommendation because I've got to say, the more I learn and the more anecdotal stories that I hear from friends, colleagues, family members about taking supplements that you don't need, the risks just, they do ultimately outweigh the benefits. I'd so much rather you have an extra egg in your omelet at brunch this weekend, then take a collagen supplement. All right. So I hope that helps. Again, simple ingredients, no matter what you're choosing, look for that third-party verification and make sure you're skipping the flavored versions. Otherwise, choose supplements that you trust. And as always, please DM me your nutrition questions. I'd love to hear from you. At Jacqueline London RD on Instagram, you can always email me, Jacqueline at JacquelineLondonRD.com. And let me know what kind of questions you have, what comes up for you, what you've heard about collagen. Feel free to DM me. Just hop on over to that Instagram, or you can leave it in the review that you write, the glowing review that you write about this podcast right now. Go ahead. I'll be here getting to our interview, but you know, you go ahead and rate and review five stars and tell me what you want to hear more about. All right. Ellie, we're here. 
We've made it here. We're recording. Yay. We're ready to go. How are you? Welcome to On the Side. Welcome to On the Side so from happy. our from our homes. <laughs> I am so happy to be here. I adore you. I adore you. This is such a treat for me. And my what I love about this is that now we have this beautiful forum for us to actually have a catch up. If it wasn't morning, I guess it's not doesn't have to be morning. I mean, we could really have a cocktail, but unfortunately, we both have water, sadly. <laughs> It could be like a tea party. I wish I even had a nice cup of tea, but water will do. Water will do. Water will do. Give us a picture of what's going on in the life of Ellie Krieger right now in 2022. Let's start with breakfast. Let's start. We got to start with a meal. I mean, I like to do it through the lens of the meals. Let's start from the beginning. You wake up. What happened today? Maybe yesterday. Whatever it is. You start wherever you like. Well, I'm going to tell you something really interesting that has not been really shared anywhere before. Breaking. You ready? I'm so excited. And it has to do with my breakfast. So I was diagnosed with high blood sugar. I like had an identity crisis (laughs) because I was like, are you kidding me? So I had to change my whole approach to carb, to concentrated carbs, to starchy foods, to concentrated carbs. And in doing so, I was able to bring my blood sugar to normal. And of course I knew that I could because I'm, I mean, not of course, because genetics often plays a role in this. that's not controllable, but it worked for me. If I change the way I eat, then I can, my blood sugar is normal. So, but it was really a quite an adjustment. And you ask about breakfast, which brings me to this because my breakfast has changed a lot. So I used to have pretty much, you know, I'm a New Yorker, right. grew up here, have had a bagel or oh. at least a half a bagel. I lived almost every single day of my entire life. <laughs> and there's no way in a million years I'm giving up a bagel. No. And I was sort of freaking out. I live near one of the best bagel stores in New York, Absolute Bagels, shouting them out there on 108th Street and Broadway. And anyway, they make a delicious whole wheat everything bagel. I used to have one, you know, half of one every day. Anyway, I started scooping my bagel. And now I, instead of just like a half bagel with cream cheese, I'll put like a scooped bagel with egg or a white fish salad or smoked salmon or egg salad or peanut butter. And literally... I can have my bagel. And so I really came to this peaceful place with it, but it was a journey for me. And it's so interesting to be a dietitian and a food lover and to be telling people these kinds of things, but to have to sort of experience this change yourself, it really, you know, you realize how emotional it is to make oh these kinds of changes. Oh my God, a thousand percent. I mean, first of all, let me just reframe for a second. The fact that you brought in white fish to your mornings. <laughs> I eat fish so many mornings. This is beautiful. I mean, I eat either smoked salmon, whitefish salad, tuna salad. I eat fish in the morning a lot. (laughs) I feel so good about this, but also I totally, totally relate to the identity crisis. Also, and this is maybe even more like one of those you should know better, you lunatic moments, which, which is that my husband is vitamin D deficient. I'm not. (laughs) During the pandemic, when I ordered online, I ordered some, you know, I did all my research. I was like, we're going to get you some vitamin D, calcium supplements. We've got them. Well, they were delicious. They were the gummy version. (laughs) (laughs) So here I am occasionally doing a little snacking, just a little, just a snack here, just here and there, little calcium and vitamin D supplement. My doctor called me with like, your vitamin D and calcium are wildly out of control. Like, what's going on? <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Well, honestly, that's such a, that's so eye-opening because that's why supplements can be, right. you know, some really are not like the first line of defense necessarily, right? And to your point about the fish, right? Like, I'm like a regular seafood eater. So this really is extra not a concern. So the idea that it was like, Oh, oh, wow. And also the immediacy of how it totally reversed right after I, I was like, I'm throwing them in the garden. Mean, he can be, be responsible for your own damn vitamins. <laughs> like, you take your vitamins. Wow. It was crazy, but it totally reversed. Anyway, 
let's go back to your day. But, uh, but the identity crisis is real for both of us. We don't know where we are or what's happening, but we know that we're here in New York and we love whitefish and seafood in general. <laughs> yeah. And my identity crisis was more around the idea, like I'm a person who right. scoops a bagel. Right. <laughs> and I think it's interesting that I normally would say that's, you know, diet culture or whatever. So right. it's really interesting to look at like, well, I'm not doing it because of diet culture. Right. I'm doing it because it's really, really important for my well-being and my long-term health. That's so awesome. I think that part of it was like reconciling that. Anyway, so I'm a bagel scooper now and I'm proud about it, right? Because I'm doing it for the right reasons. I'm proud of it That's too. That's how my day starts. And that with a really good cup of pour over, amazingly Ooh. strong coffee, which I've been getting from Gumption Coffee lately. I have to give them a shout out too, because I love wow. this company and their coffee. I'm not affiliated with them in any way. I just right. think they're fabulous. They've, they're started in Australia and they have a couple of locations in New York City and I mail order from them. My ground coffee and wow. fabulous. That um, you've just made my yeah. mouth water a little bit. That sounds <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, so then delicious. you know, every day is different for me. Some days I'm testing recipes. I have my Washington Post column weekly and I test for those recipes in batches. So some weeks are like big, you know, heavy lift, physical in the kitchen, testing, developing recipes. Other days I'm doing writing, other days I'm doing my podcast, which is one real good thing. So that's sort of a new adventure started in January for me. And then another new adventure that I've been working on a lot is this um, partnership with American Airlines where I'm designing their well-being program, which they're going to be implementing on board and in their uh, lounges. So that's been amazing. So I'm just always working on something different, which keeps things fresh and exciting and new. And yeah, every day is a little different. Some days writing, some days cooking, some days doing media stuff. A lot of days shooting TikTok videos, (laughs) reels. That really feels like the grind. And I would imagine that for anyone listening, it might sound like it could be the reverse. (laughs) That would be like, but not really for us. Like, I, I just don't feel like that comes as intuitively, perhaps, as the actual testing that you've been doing. Let me ask this more as a question. Do you have a process for testing? Like, what is the Ellie testing process when you're starting to think about recipes? Like, give us from, like, inspiration to making it happen. Yeah. I mean, so there is some variability here, but I have to test so regularly for the Washington Post, so that is, like, my main thing that keeps me weekly developing new recipes. So for that, I have a particular process, which first I think, well, I usually pitch the next month's recipes the month before I pitch them to my editors. So then it's sort of just like even thinking like, what do I want to make? What's going on in June? Right. (laughs) How am I going to feel in June? What's in season? What's going to be at the market? So I start to think about like June, what are we doing? We're starting to have picnics. We're starting to grill more. We're starting, we want chilled soups maybe. What's in season? A lot of berries. So I start to think like that. And then I think like, what do I want to be making? And not only me, but I think me, like, what are people doing? Where's our headspace going to be in June? Maybe starting to go, you know, to the parks and beaches and be outdoors more. So maybe it's like packable stuff. So I start to think what's going to be really what people are going to be wanting and needing and what's going to take advantage of local produce or, you know, seasonal produce. So anyway, I start there and then I come up with some ideas and then I pitch them and usually I try to broaden it out. So there'll be some breakfast thing, some easy dinner, some kind of dessert, something like that. I try to like do a variety of different recipes and I pitch those. And usually they, the editors, you know, say yes, or they might say, oh, we have something similar to that. And they let me run with it, which is really great. I love the team at the Washington Post. I'm so grateful to be working with these talented and supportive people. They let me run with it usually. And then it really is quite a process. So okay. I think it's, I'm glad you're letting me talk about this because I, I think it. most people don't realize what goes into making a recipe. A hundred percent. And I think there's a world out there of people like, oh yeah, you grab something off the internet and change two things. <laughs> and no. it drives me. It's that like, drives me crazy. Right. It's not legally theft, right? <laughs> but it's really not how the process right. is supposed to work. Right. Whatever those recipes may be, I will start to really like go online. I'll think about maybe recipes I've done already that are in that vein. I might go online and just look for like, oh, that's really cool. They put thyme in their frittata or whatever it may be. And then I'll just start to like 
get this feeling of like what I want it to be. And I, I do this research. And if it's a recipe that I'm really like, I just did one coming up this month for these blistered green beans. Like I had this vision that I wanted this green bean dish to be like those. I love the dry sauteed green beans that I get from the Chinese restaurant. I love them so much. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad that you're doing this. I just can't wait to try this recipe already. Oh my gosh, they're so good. So I was like, I would like to make that more of a main course. Like what if I, and so I wound up doing it with like ground lamb sauteed. And the idea is that you don't need a lot of meat in there to really make it a main course and super flavorful. So it's some meat, but it's like all these, savory beans. And then I put tomatoes in there. It it was, but anyway, I really had to do some research about that technique and so on. So I'll do research. I spend my time like that. And I essentially have the recipe already written before I go into the kitchen. And for anyone who wants to develop recipes out there, I think this is a really important step Mm. because the most time consuming part, the most expensive part in terms of ingredients and labor and clean up and everything is when you're actually in the kitchen, hands-on shopping, cooking, cleaning. So I try to anticipate all the kind of troubleshooting on paper before and essentially write out the recipe with some question marks. Oh, do I want one half teaspoon or maybe up to two teaspoons? I'm not sure. Of course there's question marks, but I basically know what I'm shopping for and what my vision is before I get into the kitchen. And that really makes it a very efficient process. And then I change things when I'm in the kitchen and I might run out and get it. Oh, you know what? This would be better with mint or something. Right. And then I might have to run out and get one more thing. But for the most part, I have it kind of down before I get in the kitchen. And then once I test it, then it's the writing. And that's right. a whole other like leg of the process. How do you write this up in a way that's really reproducible, that's readable and pleasurable to read, but that's exacting enough that people right. are going to be able to do this at home with variations and ingredients. And that's a skill of itself. And that's not even including writing the head note Ooh. for the recipe. So then there's, you know, Ooh. that takes about an hour and a half to two hours to just write the paragraph head note. So there's a lot that goes into it. And I don't think people realize. You know, it's so true. There's so much that goes into it and there's so many different steps in the process, but I love what you said about the question marks, about the sort of like, okay, this might work, but I'm leaving myself a little room, a little wiggle room to figure it out. The other thing I'm so curious about is that I also don't think that people know that the whole, that recipe writing and then even separately recipe editing is its own unique battle. I I mean, yeah. Yeah. And actually I should point out that once I hand that recipe to the Washington Post, right. the editors there test it independently. Wow. wow. And they also edit it to make wow. it, you know, so professionally edited so that it's perfect. Wow. <laughs> and so that's really, you know, when you pay for recipes, when you subscribe to something like the Washington wow. Post, I mean, I have a lot of free recipes on my site. I think there's real value in that. And I think, I hope people really recognize that, that when you grab something off some random, some blogs are great and really well done, but Mm. sometimes not so much. And there's not that guarantee and there aren't those layers of of expertise in it. Well, what I think is unfortunate is a lot of times people don't say, oh, this was a bad recipe. They blame themselves. And then they think that they're a bad cook. And then it takes away that sense of like, efficacy from people. And I know this happened to my daughter when she was in high school, she pulled a recipe off of some, like, it was like one of these like hands and pants videos or whatever. And she pulled a recipe off of the thing and it was terrible. It was like undercooked. And (laughs) she called me and I looked at the recipe and it was just like a a recipe that did not work. Like it just wasn't right. (laughs) And, and she blamed herself, you know, she, Oh, I'm a terrible cook. And I think that that's, you know, you're wasting money, you're wasting time, you're wasting ingredients. And you're also maybe making someone feel like they can't cook when that's not the case. You're so right. I mean, that's really the worst part is because that's the last thing we want. We want people to feel like empowered by the whole experience and not defeated. That's terrible. Did you have a moment of being like, your mother is always right. I mean, do you, 
Did yeah. you get to have well, that yeah, moment? I would be in big trouble if I did that. <laughs> I'd get nowhere with that. But I, oh, I did think it. Oh, I thought oh, it. thought it. He thought it. You could just say it. We could. We just keep keep it here. We just keep it between <laughs> us. All right. Okay. So switching gears a little bit for a second. When you're in a in testing mode, let's say you know, like let's let, like using the green beans for a second. You're thinking about this. You're mulling it over. Do you get into this sort of phase of being like, I'm going to keep on making this. Like once I get it, like because I found, and I feel like with the pandemic too, it there was like this sort of phase of cooking experience. Like we eat, like we would start making something, and then it would be like now an iteration on the green bean. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> that oh that totally happens. happens. Okay, if I love it, then I'm like, oh my gosh, you what know, I'm gonna put this in. Actually, I did put it into another dish recently that same way of cooking green beans, but just a different, not with the lamb, kind of more as a side dish. But now that's like my new favorite way of cooking green beans at home. <laughs> it takes seven minutes in a hot pan. Like it's so flavorful and has that great like char on it. So totally that happens to me. I love that. And I have to say, I would love to add, sometimes I get recipes just from like, oh, and this is like my favorite way of cooking actually. I have these random leftovers. Like oh. the one recipe came to mind in particular. I had these like leftover, I'm like on this green bean thing for some reason. And these <laughs> leftover steamed green beans. And then I had a quarter of a head of radicchio. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I really had almost nothing else in the refrigerator. <laughs> like, you know what? That's going to be good together. And so, and it'll be pretty. And so I made this radicchio and um, green bean salad. And then I, oh, that needs some crunch. I put walnuts in it. And then I made, and it just turned out so delicious. And I put this beautiful mustard vinaigrette and I was like, this flipping rocks. <laughs> and then I developed a recipe from that. So every once in a while, I don't I plan that. ahead. And it just like happens basically from like refrigerator scraps. <laughs> I love that so much. That really just feels, feels right up my alley. Now, did you have a banana bread moment of the last two years? Were you like, I'm going to get involved in this or, or that didn't really, you were like, I've made enough no, banana bread. I don't. You know, I'm funny. I'm a little bit contrarian. Like if something's really I trending, know. it's like the last thing I want I know. Make. I know. You're not telling me what to make. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't really that appreciate baking, that. But I did more project cooking. Like I'd make lasagna more often or right. I don't know, Greek spinach pie, which things that I wouldn't normally make on like a typical weekday. You know, when you have like an entire day at home, right. like you're a little more project oriented. <laughs> but mine veered toward the more savory pie type of Interesting. That's a a savory pie. That also sounds pretty delicious right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I could eat like a spanakopita any day. Oh my God. Yes. So, I mean, you mentioned your daughter trying out this other rogue recipe. I'm going to call it a rogue recipe. (laughs) Like, how involved is your daughter and your husband? Like, are they here to eat, here to test, not here to cook? Or is this like, this is a full family? Yeah. No, I pretty much cook and plan the meals and, but my husband does all the dishes. So I'm down for that. That's an amazing deal. That's a great deal. Sometimes he helps. And I, if I ask him to, he's good about it. But the thing is sometimes, and I, you know, like with all due respect type of thing, if I ask him to cut up a pep, you know, to slice this pepper, he, it takes him like, I could have sliced 20 peppers in the amount of time. (laughs) that he slices the pepper and he's in my way. And I just like, I like, I usually have the kitchen prepare something. I'll get help if I need it. And then he cleans up everything. So I I take that any day of the week. And then my daughter is at college now. So she's sort of learning to fend for herself. (laughs) And that's education. You know, I think she definitely... I definitely maybe spoiled her a little. Like she would rather be served when she's home <laughs> and have her, you know, her personal chef be yes. there to cook for her of and supreme her orange for her. <laughs> but I made her learn, but I've actually, she would always want me more grapefruit. She always wants me, mom, can you supreme the grapefruit? I'm like, I will do it for you if you learn how to do it. If you have to let me show you how to do it. So this has been my new thing. Now, at least she has to learn how. Wait a so second. So she has that, you know. Wait a second. So. Supreme. Supreme. It's sort of like, it, it basically means, you know, when you take the sections out of the grapefruit. Yeah. I didn't know that had a name. 
I didn't know it had a name. And it makes all the world of difference, really. It really does. But wow, let me tell you, it makes all the world of difference when you call it Supreme. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like you've ever had any memorable fails like as it, oh, and I don't please. mean I don't mean like I don't mean fail, like uh, like a uh, I really thought that was going to go this way and it turned into blah something like that 110% we have to fail you yeah. know what? if we don't fail sometimes then we don't learn it's so true and so I think the whole notion of failing in general not only with food and cooking but in, with things is right. like we have to let go of that as a failure but like see it more as like a step toward progress And I think most things in the kitchen, even though they failed technically, they're still like pretty good. Right. I mean, you still eat it and it's fine. And then you just learn, like, okay, I need to take the salmon out of the out of the oven a little bit before because (laughs) cook, you know, I didn't want to overcook it next time. Or whatever it is, you learn. Right. So I think, you know, that's how you learn is by making mistakes. And I've made a million and one. And I'm I hope to make more because I hope to learn more. Um, But there's few instances where I actually was like, say, testing a recipe and I was like, scrap it. It's not fixable. I would say there's like two times in my entire seven cookbooks and columns that where I was just like, "Eh, not working. (laughs) What do you remember what they were? Just out of curiosity. No, because I erased them from my memory. (laughs) (laughs) I like dump it in the garbage. Like this is not working. I do. I do not remember even what they were. Oh my gosh. I, so Ellie's podcast is fantastic. And I feel like again, always, I get to learn something from you that way when I don't get to see you, which is fantastic. But I was listening to the episode with Alex Guarnaschelli, where she is talking about sort of saving, like, in other words, you make a mistake in the kitchen and then you go back and save it. And I, it really got me thinking that I just got so into the dynamic, the conversation that I was like, I need to sit and do this again with a pen and paper. (laughs) I was like, like, I need to hear this. I'm going to have to play that one again. But because it's called one real good thing, do you feel like you get a little bit or piece or nugget from each of these episodes that you've done so far where you're like, I'm going to use this tomorrow. Totally. Speaking of learning, right? I mean, I think one of my goals in life is to just like always approach things with curiosity. Yeah. And when you do, then you always are learning something new from somebody. Mm. And I think definitely as a host of a podcast to approach things with curiosity, um, then you're going to yourself be learning. And if you're learning and enthusiastic about that, then chances are the listeners are too. So I mean, I know you know that from, oh. from your own curiosity, but I, I feel like, yeah, I'm always learning things and, um, and having sort of aha takeaways from each episode. And it's, I actually, I want to feel that feeling when I'm talking to a guest, because I feel like if I'm feeling that feeling, then others will as well. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So in this new American Airlines partnership, and I don't know how much you can tell us about that, but I do feel like we have to touch on travel. I have a whole number of different questions for you about travel. And you do, you do so many great like videos, TikTok video, uh, reels and videos. I see it on travel choices, things in the airport to grab. It's I, my I favorite like- thing. It's really my favorite topic, you know, because I, I just like there's just so many marketing moments that are just sort of happening around you that it feels like it could be a tough one to navigate if you're not mm-hmm. sort of keenly prepared. So when you're approaching your work in this space, are you thinking, okay, what is someone looking for in a lounge? Or what is someone looking for in an airline meal? Or what what have I been missing in my airline meals? Or is there a different kind of way in for you? Yeah, all of those things. I mean, I think, well, when I'm traveling, what kinds of foods make me feel good? Yes. It's really comes from a place of what makes me feel good throughout my journey. Yes. So it needs to, one thing that makes me feel good is having it be delicious <laughs> and compellingly <laughs> delicious. And actually, I think one of the things when we're traveling is we want something that's going to be somewhat comforting, right? Yes. Also. Yes. And so that can be healthy too. Right. And so trying to bring that into the picture, all of those things, um, as well as digestive health, hydration, 
you know, things like that, that often get us tripped up when we're traveling. How do we eat to, to minimize the effects of that and to maximize pleasure yes. is basically my objective here. And yeah, it's just launching. It hasn't launched yet. It just was announced, but the launch is coming hopefully very soon. There's not like a firm launch date for it that I can mention yeah. yet. Yes. But it's been a really great process and really interesting to look at the travel experience and, and think about it as like, what do I, yeah, what do I wish was in front of me right now on my plate? And what are the options that I, that I want, wish people to have as well? I love that. I love that too, because it's almost like a place where you want options, but you don't want too many options. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're sort of like, I don't want to feel overwhelmed because I'm overwhelmed enough. And I, right. I just feel like this whole experience can get overwhelming fast. It's just such an interesting, it's such an interesting approach. All right. So now that we're thinking about travel for a moment, let's talk about it. If you had like a dream food destination, what would that be? I, oh, I don't know. There's got to be a, li- I mean, I'm sure that that's like probably the hardest possible question. Yeah. But- <laughs> well, because the thing I love most about food is the variations of it. Right. You know, I mean, I grew up in New York City with food loving parents. And even though we were like on a pretty tight budget most of my life, yeah. to say the least, to put it mildly, you know, we'd go to like Dominican restaurants in Queens. I grew up in Queens, Chinatown, regulars in Chinatown, New York City. Wohop was like, you know, right. one of our regular places, which is up for James Beard Award this year, which is so great as like a legacy. That's amazing. Um, so, you know, going to Greek restaurants in Astoria, going to all of these, and it was like quite affordable, going to food festivals oh. at churches and things like this, Greek food festivals, whatever. So, um, so I love all of the different cultural takes on right. cuisine. So I couldn't pick one. I mean, it would be like saying pick a favorite color. I can't no, do that. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I um, know. So the, the joy of it for me is in the exploration and trying new things. And yeah, so so I want to go everywhere and taste everything. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, now that I've said that out loud, I'm like, I don't even know how I would answer that. I really just wear everywhere. Where where are we going next? I mean, that's really the next yes. that's really the best question. I don't know if you remember this, Ellie. I'm sure you do, because actually I'm sure you do. When we first met, we went on this phenomenal trip. Was memory trip. that involved me? Yes. Oh, my goodness. We went on this phenomenal <laughs> trip to Milan for International oh. Pasta Week. And we had many an amazing meal thereafter. But the first night that we got there, we dined in the hotel that we were staying in. And it was a little bit like if you were to get to New York and someone said to you, Okay, well, you flew into you flew into LaGuardia, and you're gonna eat here at LaGuardia in a lounge. <laughs> it, that's how it. It just felt like here we are, food people, so excited to like get to eating, start eating now. Like we're we're like clear, like, <laughs> like we're all starving because we were like gearing up for a moment, and here we are sitting there going, huh? Okay, this is a biscuit wrapped in a in a plastic. I know it was so weird. I think what happened and I think our hosts who were so lovely and gracious. And Seriously. I feel Seriously. No, but, I know. I, it's like, I almost don't want to talk about it, but we have to, because it just, the humor in it was like in the nuance. Our hosts, I think had a deal with the hotel. Right. So what happened was we get there and we're like in this fabulous food city, we're ready to taste everything. And they're like, Oh, all the meals will be in the hotel lounge. Right. <laughs> we're like, we were, we're like, spent, wait. We were like, um, we're gonna go to the pizza place around the corner. Exactly. It's like you might as well have had a group of people who were sitting there with like Fodor's Guide to Eating, and then like it's like as if you had this book over your face, and then you just went, "What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean we're not leaving the hotel?" <laughs> like it was just like, yeah, it was that was sort of unfortunate, but I think we wound up just doing our own thing. We did for most of it. We did, which was fantastic. That was funny. I forgot about that. That was funny. We can't. You can't really go wrong in Italy. Is the thing, but I mean, it. it oh, you, I had you the could. worst slice of pizza in my. So I have been to Italy many times, and I love the food. Okay, I've had the best pizza in my life in Italy. I've had the best cheese. I've had the best pastas. But I also happen to have had the worst slice of pizza in my entire life in Italy. Really? And 
it was really unfortunate because we were in Sicily, my daughter, my husband and I, and I had this great restaurant to go to in this little town on top of this mountain, but we got like kind of lost in the car and the streets were confusing and it was all zigzaggy and we were like lost. So we're late and we didn't get to this town until like 3.30 when the lunch was over, the restaurant was closed. So now we're there, we're now starving because we planned to eat like at least two hours prior of right. being lost in the hot car. And um, and we get there, we go into some like little, like almost convenience store looking place, but it was in Italy. I mean, it was like an Italian family in there with, and they had pizza and we're like, okay, you know, three pieces of pizza. And they put it in the microwave. Oh, how dare you? Oh, I kid you not. I was in Italy, in Sicily. And I ate microwave pizza. <laughs> it was horrible. It hurts my and, heart. Uh, that was, it was like, to me, this missed opportunity. Because if you're in Sicily for seven days, you have three times seven meals, right? And you want to maximize every single one. That, they basically took away one of my 21, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I love that you said that because I really feel the same way. Anytime you're going anywhere new, I feel like that's the approach. It's like, okay, I've got three meals. There's this many days. Where am I going? And then it's like, I've got to, I've just got to plan it out. So, so having one of them stolen, it's like you, I mean, listen, you build in the idea that some are going to be better than others, but you don't anticipate microwave, microwave pizza. Be- I'm Thank so you. sad. I'm so upset about it. That's okay. We'll go again. We'll have to yeah, go. <laughs> my, one of my funny food stories actually is what I call my $150 smoothie. Oh, I love this. And, I um, love this story already. <laughs> <laughs> so I was making a smoothie and I put in my banana and my milk and my, and then I put in a scoop of nut butter and then the phone rings and I stuck the spoon in the smoothie and I answer the phone. I talk, I oh. come back to my smoothie. I put the lid on and I start blending. Oh. Clank, 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 clank. What's happening? It's jumping. It's clanking. It's jumping. Oh my god! I left the smooth the no. spoon in there. Literally, there's shards of <laughs> metal. My motor burns out on my smooth no. on my blender. So that was my undrinkable hundred and fifty dollar smoothie. Funny when you look back on it. Not funny in the moment. <laughs> You know what is the saddest, but also the happiest part about that story is that my first thought is like, okay, but what, what did you have? I mean, did you get a snack? I mean, did you like, you know, what did you like, actually eat instead after of, instead of being like, oh no, you're a poor blender. Yeah. I mean, talk about $150. I'm thinking, I hope she got it. I hope she had something to eat after. I, I hope there was, that wasn't like the end of your bananas. Like however many, whatever you had on it. What goes into a good, I mean, how, I feel like a smoothie recipe has to have some kind of formula for you. Does it? Tell us. Yes. Tell us. <laughs> besides spoons, besides metal spoons, which is an optional, no, no, I, I generally an optional ingredient. Leave the spoon out. Right. Okay. Yeah. So for me, actually, one of my favorite smoothies is my three ingredient smoothie. And it is literally just, and this is great because I taught my daughter how to make this when she was like seven. And then I would, after that, I would be like, can you please make mommy a smoothie? Oh, that's the <laughs> way. You, this is the goal in life is to get way. your kid to make stuff for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I like that you started out with something that was three ingredients too, so that then it could always be like, you know, it's just three ingredients. Like then, then yeah. if it took any kind of coaxing, you would just, you know, it's just those three. Okay. What are those three yeah. though? So it's basically a frozen banana covered Ooh, with milk, you know, milk of choice. I like dairy milk, whatever, put milk in and then a scoop of peanut butter and then blend it. And it is so delicious. It's like to me perfect. Oh my god! And the sweetness comes. Oh, the banana is super ripe. That's important. Before mm-hmm. I freeze it, it's like the skin is like practically black, but it's not mushy. Yes. But it's like very mottled with black, so it's very ripe and sweet, and that's where you're getting all the sweetness from. And then just milk. You get protein and nutrients and all good stuff yes. there. And then you get the nut butter, and then you can kind of build from there, right? So, so that's my basic perfect smoothie. Three ingredients. Um, and then I, you know, variations galore. So different berries, or I love to put oats in just regular rolled oats in a smoothie to make it more like 
substantial. It's really good. That sounds so. Really I good. I don't really like protein powders. I don't really get them. I think they taste fake, bad. They do. <laughs> so I like to get my protein from nut butters or even a handful of slivered almonds yeah. or just some type of sliced almonds. Some type of nut blends up beautifully. Chia seeds, maybe. Um, and then the milk it has a lot of protein. So I love milk. I really can't say. I mean, I, <laughs> or yo, you could do yogurt, but I find yogurt is fine in a smoothie, but I prefer just milk. Actually. Right. I feel like yogurt has a specific taste. So you'd be going for that. Like that would be a yeah. choice. Like I wouldn't want to swap the yogurt for them. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah, you would have yeah. to be really in the mood for something a little bit tangier. Okay. Yeah. In 20, oh. 2022, there's so many different apps and platforms and there's so many different ways to get food into your home. Are you using any of these? Are you going to the supermarket yourself? Do you feel like you have to see the produce? Do you feel like you're, you have gotten to the whole foods and you're going, oh my God, why is this so pricey all of a sudden, what happened overnight? Or like, is there a strategy involved? It's all fair game to me. I yeah. mean, so I try to get to my farmer, mm. farmer's market. He's only there on Fridays. So oh. I try to like- It's a must. And that into my <laughs> my schedule. Yes. I really love the food from my local farmer. It tastes different. The lettuce oh. is like alive still. You know, he just <laughs> harvested it that day or the day before. It's just so delicious. Oh. And um, the taste of his food I, is worth it. So I try to really go. I can't always make it though. And then I can't get everything at the farmer's market. So um, I do fresh direct, you know, delivery yeah. frequently. I do, I go to Whole Foods frequently. I go to the West Side Market across okay. from me for like day-to-day -day stuff. Cause I walk, it's 24 hours. I walk by there. Um, so if I want just like a last minute thing, and then I also, a new a sponsor for my podcast is HelloFresh. Oh. And I actually really enjoy just like having those meals at home sometimes too. Amazing. And that's what my husband will cook. So it's all like done for him. <laughs> so I go. feel like it's all, I feel like all of these yeah. is tools in the toolbox. And right. it depends week to week on what my needs might be different and my desire might be different. Okay, so this might be a loaded question here, Ellie, but do you feel like this is like an us thing of like people who work in food like to do this? Or do you think this is a New Yorker thing? Because because I've got to say, like, I feel like everything you just said totally resonates with me. I feel the exact same way. I got to go different places this morning. I had two different deliveries come within about 30 minutes of each other, <laughs> one from Amazon Fresh and one from Wegmans. And I felt like, oh, that's how you make a hole is you got to go from these different places. But I feel like if we lived somewhere else, maybe we would not feel as much like we have to get different things from different places. Well, yeah, there might not be as many options or maybe there are. I mean, when I think about it and maybe not as many different types of grocery stores, I sometimes um, will spend time in Northern Michigan and you know, we'll rent a condo for the week and I'll, I'll always try to go to the farmer's market. I would say that's the constant in my life is I really try to go to the farmer's market in the, in the season. Cause in the Northeast here, it's pretty much shut down for the most part for like fresh items from like December to May. Totally. You know? totally. But, um, but, I, but in the on season, I'm there every week pretty much. I think even in Northern Michigan, but there'd be like one grocery store, right? So it's one grocery yeah. store and the farmer's market and maybe a specialty store here and there for like cheeses or something. Oh. But yeah, I think we just here, we do have it, so many options. It's kind of what one fabulous thing about it. But I think it's wherever the you live, thing. there's always going to be a farmer's market. There's going to be a regular grocery store. There's going to be specialty stores. Totally. So. Totally. Maybe in Sioux Falls. Listeners, we'll let yeah, you know. No, I think We'll so. let you know. We'll I bet. We'll let you know when we're doing our market research on the actual airport. Okay. Ellie, I would be remiss not to ask you this question because I feel like you can uniquely answer this better than anyone, which is, let's say someone is listening to us right now and is a total novice cook and has had the experience that I think is so well said and so powerful that you mentioned at the beginning, which is like the, I'm going to blame myself rather than blaming the idiot recipe that really just doesn't work because those ingredients don't belong together or those temperatures aren't right or whatever it is. What would be your sort of like 
golden advice for someone who is just starting out and trying to get more comfortable in the kitchen with making meals at home? Yeah. So I think the thing is, it can be so overwhelming. Okay. So I think pick five, get five in your pocket, right? Yeah. Five meals that you're comfortable with. And maybe it'll take a month to get five meals that you're comfortable with. Oh, wow. I liked that. I know how to cook that. I can do that. And once you have that base five, then you build on that. Maybe every week you find, or every other, or every once a month, even you build on that. So then before you know it, you're going to have like 25, you're going to have things you can cook in any season. But I think having your like core five simple recipes that you know you're comfortable with, that you can pull together quickly and affordably, I think, you know, if you could just start there, that's a really good base. Mm. And so try not to think like, oh no, I have to be a great cook now, period. You know, and then it's like this huge, overwhelming task. I think you're really breaking it down into like that bite size sort of Yes. It's those mini goals. It's like the mini goal. I love it. All right. Okay. So I got to get to our last question, which is arguably the hardest one. You're going to space tomorrow (laughs) with Elon Musk. He's like, Ellie, I want you to tweet for me about food and space. No, I don't know. But he's taking you away. You're going to space. I would say last, it's like a sort of a last meal sort of idea, but I I think that's a bit grim. What is the last day, your sort of like dream day of your favorite all-time meals? We've got to get mains, desserts, cocktails, wines, refreshments, whatever you like. Tell us. Okay, so I've thought about this actually a lot. Okay. Because these are the kinds of things I think about. Because this is what food people think about. Right, exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's funny because it dawned on me that my sort of feel-good meal in that way is like brings me back to the beach in the summer. I love the ocean. I love being in Montauk. I love being on the coast in the summer. So to me, it brings me back to those meals and so there I'm going to start. So, and that really, I know this is going to sound, so the first course. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. We know like many courses. fresh, yeah. just picked sort of garden salad. I know mm. that sounds maybe a little bit boring, Mm-mm. but it's true. Okay. So I'm, right. I'm, I want that. Right. I love that. I love that fresh, maybe a lemony dressing, some type of gorgeous, either rosé or oh. some type of crisp, nice white wine. And then after that, I would like some really amazing French fries. A thousand. And a roll. Oh, oh, wait. wait. I'm 100% in wait, on this. Wait, first I'm going to have a uh, clam chowder. Oh, yeah. Creamy clam chowder. Then I'm going to have a French fries and a lobster roll. And then for dessert, I would please <laughs> like a molten chocolate cake with coconut ice cream. Thank you very much. Oh, it's a mic drop. That's a mic drop. Wait, <laughs> I have a lot of, I have a lot of questions. So I hate to, I hate to say this, but first of all, Interesting you said coconut ice cream and not a coconut sorbet. What? Yeah, no. No, because like, okay, I I want a creamy, creamy coconut coconut. texture flavor, but not a sweet, like sticky sorbet. Now, is this molten chocolate cake, is this one that you've made or is this one? No, you (laughs) This is like a restaurant, like a lava chocolate cake. Yes. Warm and, and it could be any restaurant. It doesn't have to be a specific one. Is there a specific correct. one? Yeah. Okay. Just like a good one. <laughs> a, a great one. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, here's my next question. Connecticut, Rhode Island lobster roll or Boston oh, no. or Maine, no. rather? Really no, roll. classic. Not a warm one. Not a warm cold, one. Cold, mayonnaise Yes. Celery? Cla- uh, yeah. Yes, with like a brioche. On a toasted, lo- you know, lobster roll bun. Yes, yes. So there. <laughs> and the fries, what kind of fry are we talking? I mean, are we talking skinny fry? Are we talking yeah. wedge? I'm thinking, I mean, it could be not too thick, no. It okay. needs to be like a skinny fry, well done, hand crispy. cut. Yes. <laughs> skinny to medium. Okay. Hand cut. Well, pretty crispy, please. <laughs> Very crispy. Come out, better come out hot. And we're going mayo ketchup. Like a Belgian style yes. kind of fry. Yeah. And I'm going, not mayo, I'm going ketchup really, maybe a little vinegar too. But. Oh, vinegar. She said oh, vinegar. Yeah, like malt vinegar and fries. I do like that English style. 
Yes. You know what? Ketchup, I, I do like ketchup. I, I have know. to say, I do think it's like one of the best inventions. It really is. It's not like maybe no, Ellie. nutritionally correct. <laughs> right now, right now I'm having a little confession moment. I'm having a real moment with Chick-fil-A sauce. Have you ever had it? No. Okay. So <laughs> never had Chick-fil-A actually. I also have never had an actual Chick-fil-A meal. But the sauce is sold on its own at supermarkets and the Chick-fil-A sauce, like the original sauce, is some is like if you were to take ketchup, barbecue sauce, and maybe something kind of mayonnaise-y, but it's just like a little bit creamy. It's not really like mayo-y. And you mm. put them all together and a little well, hot sauce. I mean, also, you could probably just do that by making it in your own home oh, kitchen. I'll have to try it. I'll try it. I'll have to try mm. it. It really your is. recommendation, I'll try a it. Great, a great one. Ellie, thank you so much for being here. Tell us, where can people find you? Where can we come and find you and just watch you, listen to you, talk to you? Maybe not talk to you, but maybe listen, just listen while you talk to us. Where can people find you? <laughs> so all things, Ellie, all the things I'm up to are on my website, elliekrieger.com, E-L-L-I-E-K-R-I-E-G-E-R. I love Ellie Krieger. Spell that for us. Thank you. Ellie, this was such a treat. Thank you for thank being you. here. What Great a joy. Thanks so much for tuning in today to this episode of On the Side with Jackie London. If you enjoyed today's episode, please snap a screenshot of your podcast app on your phone, post it to your Instagram stories, and tag me at JacquelineLondonRD to let me know your favorite takeaway from any part of the episode. If you're loving the show, if there's a topic you'd love to hear more about or a guest you'd love to listen to here, I'd absolutely love to hear from you. You can scroll down on your podcast app to where it says ratings and reviews and rate this one five stars, of course, and share your feedback. Your words might just be what the next person needs to tune in and start feeling more empowered and living better one meal or snack at a time. Of course, be sure to follow On The Side wherever you get your podcasts to ensure you won't miss out on any episodes. And remember to check us out. Check out the Q&A deep dive on the On The Side YouTube channel. This show is produced and edited by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Keep in mind that any advice provided on this podcast is based off of my clinical judgment and application of research and practice as a registered dietitian, and it should not take the place of medical advice from your own personal physician. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>